The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Steve Lieber, artist of Superior Foes of Spider-Man and The Fix, and you are listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure, me, to welcome you to episode 227 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, October 7th. My name is Matt Baum, that's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, and when I'm not being crushed under the weight of a tidal wave of number one issues... I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog at WordPoint.com. No joke. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not stealing into the supply closet at my new job to keep up with all of this week's new comics, I'm the former manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, we're trying a new experiment. We are broadcasting the show live on Periscope. If you want to follow along, you can find our feed by downloading the app, signing in with your Twitter, and if you follow us on Twitter, and you should, because our Twitter feed is awesome, will pop up in your feed and you can watch the magic live unedited NSFW NSFL not safe for life (laughs) not safe for life that's a new (laughs) hashtag (laughs) on this episode you can hear our reviews of no less than 22 of this week's new comics after that That, that's not in caps it's just a it's just a number it's just a big number though yeah 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 After that, Joe and I are going to drink ourselves into oblivion while we visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be bathing in the blood of some of our favorite My Little Ponies to revitalize ourselves while we talk about next week's comics. And I don't expect we have much time to do anything else, but before we bring all these comics to slaughter, let's burn down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for waiting until 2015 to invite Cheap Trick. Are you serious? Really? This is an issue that only you care about. It's so stupid. I hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're bringing Janet Jackson to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, really? It's Miss Jackson if you're nasty. Whatever. Then we can talk about this week's big news! We got big news! This, there... Hey guys, do you want to talk about Shaft? <laughs> hey everybody. <laughs> Shaft's coming back, Matt. Dynamite Entertainment has announced the return of Ernest Tiedemann's legendary private dick, John Shaft, in a new series... And a new novel. You're being a real private dick right now. Both written by David Walker. Shaft, Imitation of Life, drawn by artist Dietrich Smith, will launch in February and picks up after the events of Walker's last Shaft miniseries, which I loved. It was great. It was really good. Here's the solicit for that. Not to interrupt. This is delicious. What is this? What are we drinking? It's like a margarita with orange juice in it. Chin chin. Right? After a high profile case puts him in the headlines, private detective John Shaft searches for something low profile to keep him out of the spotlight and out of danger and takes a missing person case that proves to be more difficult than he thought. It's something he's going to get a job at Dairy Queen or something. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, he's hired to be a consultant on a low budget film that may or may not be based on his life and proves to be as dangerous as any job he's ever had. But when there's danger about John Shaft won't cop out. Even if it means squaring off against sadistic gangsters that want him dead. I love that it rhymes. That's so good. It's a lyric from the song. Oh, that's true. Academy Award winning yeah, theme yeah. from Shaft, yeah. 1971. Isaac Hayes. Yeah. Rest in peace. R.I.P. The novel, Shaft's Revenge, will be the first piece of Shaft prose fiction in 40 years. Here's the synopsis. 
When the godfather of crime in Harlem reaches out to Shaft for a favor, the hard-boiled detective finds himself caught in a web of violence and murder. No one is safe as the bullets start to fly and the bodies start to drop, leaving Shaft with only two options, kill or be killed. It's a two-fisted tale of retribution as Shaft cuts a bloody path through the city, settling old scores and faces the demons of his past. Damn. Sounds super tough. Yeah, yeah. I am excited yeah. for more Shaft, no, they, especially by David Walker. They killed it with that first Shaft mini. It was fantastic. It was even up for awards and stuff. It was really good. Was it? Yeah, I think it was up for a Harvey. I don't recall. Who but, knows? We're not going to research it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can research stuff like that. But awesome. I love Shaft. I love what Dynamite's doing with it. They're, they're killing this. I am a little sad that Bilkis Evely is not coming back to do the art. Yeah. Because she, she did a great job. She was great. But I think uh, she did such a good job that someone went, hey, you want to get paid real money? <laughs> the guy, Dietrich Smith, they showed a, some sketchbook stuff. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so I I'm excited for fun. that. Joe, Shaft is not all Dynamite is relaunching. They are relaunching slash redesigning Red Sonia, Vampirella, and Deja Thoris. Oh, no. I know. The publisher has announced the relaunch of their three most popular heroines, courtesy of Gail Simone. I thought you were going to try and guess. Nicola Scott. Oh, no, no. And a host. I mean, I wrote this story. I know who it <laughs> of is. Industry's top talent. They don't know that. Simone is providing a roadmap for the three characters spinning out of her own Red Sonia and Swords of Sorrow series. That's a lot of S's. Nicola Scott redesigned all three characters who will see their books relaunched in early 2016. From the Dynamite press release, quote, our mission here is to spruce up their look and remind people that these were the original female ass kickers that inspired Xena, Buffy, Leia Organa, etc. etc. They are the map others followed, and we get to bring them each a hot new look from brilliant artist designer Nicola Scott, as well as thrilling new mission statements for each of them. I'm all for having them redesigned and updated and maybe looking a little more feminist as opposed to chauvinist booby book you know well yeah i mean that's the thing is but that does it crap on the history a little bit you mean their history of being sex sex objects i guess yeah I, so, who cares I, I suppose you're right i suppose you're right so red sony number one we're gonna see january marguerite bennett who we both like artist is it just one name yeah just one name anique yeah i think i think that artist has come up before on the show and i can't remember in what context okay red sony is going back to Hyrcania, only to find a change to an almost recognizable landscape. As envisioned by Gail Simone, the new series sends Sonia on a mission of infiltration, sabotage, and assassination, where she discovers that her native people have been conscripted into the service of a Nazi-like regime. Okay. Not actual Nazis. No. Because this is like barbarian times. Right, right, right. Deja Thoris comes in February, written by Five Ghosts scribe Frank J. Barberi. Really like him. And an artist yet to be announced. The series will present a fall from grace for the Martian princess as she embarks on a self-imposed exile, assuming a new identity and enlisting as a rookie soldier on the farthest deadliest borders of her Barsoomian civilization. I like to think that she's exiled because she starts wearing too many clothes. <laughs> Vampirilla begins in March from writer Kate Leth. So, uh, Kate Leth. We just talked about her. Yeah, Kate Leth. I always blank on the specifics, but right now I know she's writing Power Up. Boom. Okay. But typically she's known for like super cartoony. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And an another unannounced artist, the series is going to see the return of the character's roots as horror hostess, yada, yada, yada. The important part here is they're updating them. And it, for the most part, it's a very female driven team. Right. But, you know, you kind of glossed over it, but this, she gets caught on film 
wearing her traditional Vampirella outfit. Oh, right. But but that's her like horror horror host. Yeah. Outfit like Elvira. Like uh, if Elvira got caught right, right, right. fighting vampires. Right. And then all of a sudden she's a huge internet celebrity. Oh, that's kind of fun. And so she becomes like a monster hunter. So they're making it like a little more realistic too. I mean, is she yeah. still going to be an alien and stuff? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Any, I don't really know much about it. Vampirella has had like 30 different origins. Yeah. The last little relaunch with Gail Simone, they said, yes, we're going to, we're going to make Red Sonia this strong character right. and, and put her in new adventures where she's independent and on her own and blah, blah, blah. And she's still wearing the chainmail bikini. Yeah. Which whatever. I don't care about that, but it's also not very realistic if we're thinking about a woman that goes into battle. Right. Like Catwoman yeah. jumping around the rooftops with stilettos on. You yeah, know, that's, just that is the inv- that it's is dumb. the forty year old invention of a bunch of dudes that sat around yeah. thinking what would be awesome. Hey, if- teenage boys! Right. I think it's long overdue for all of these characters to I, get. They should have done this in the first. Thrust place. into the modern day. Yeah, they should have done this in the first place. It's the stories that need to main that need to be true to the characters, not the outfits. I agree. This is just in from the Newswire, courtesy of Matt's wife, Casey Baum. <laughs> Marvel announced four new movies to be inserted into phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are currently in phase two. We're in phase three. Okay. Phase two ended with Avengers 2. We are in phase three. I think so. Are we? I don't actually know. I have no idea what phase we're in. <laughs> I don't know what phase we're in either. <laughs> Somebody lay it on us. Like... <laughs> I think we're in phase three. I think we're in phase three. We're just wandering around, <laughs> not knowing what phase yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, So uh, they've announced four new movies. Uh, of course, most of them are unannounced, but they announced a sequel to Ant-Man titled Ant-Man and the Wasp. Love it. Which is going to come on July 6th, 2018. Both Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly are confirmed to reprise their roles. And this is the first film with a female character as a headliner. Marvel's first film with a female character headlining the movie. Right. It was going to be Captain Marvel. Well, Captain Marvel would have been the first one, but now Captain Marvel has been pushed back to March of 2019. Wow. There's some mixed reactions to this news. Right. I mean, it is a big deal. There is a train of thought that says you pushed back what would have been the first female right. headlined Marvel movie right. in favor of a sequel that's really starring a guy. Yeah. But on the other hand, this Ant-Man sequel w- is, I think, coming out before Captain Marvel would have. Yeah, I think that's right. Because uh, from what I read, they were only pushing Captain Marvel back by like six months or something like so that. So essentially, they are fast-tracking this Ant-Man sequel yeah. due to the popularity of, of, obviously, of the original movie and everyone's desire to see the wasp actually on screen instead right. of just teased. And I think Ant-Man made more money than anyone thought it was going to as well. So it kind of makes sense to me that they're going to get this movie out on the quick. And it is, I think, a good sign that instead of calling it Ant-Man 2, which they could have done, it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, they share the marquee. And that's kind of huge. They better go into the microverse. They better find uh, You mean the quantum realm? Nah, screw that. I want the microverse, then with the micronauts. <laughs> I want the whole thing. Why couldn't they call it the microverse? Did they think that we were not going to understand? I don't know. Regardless, I'm super excited for this. I loved Evangeline Lilly in the role. And I got super excited where they showed the wasp suit. Yeah. Like, so cool. And she's great. She even looks like Janet Van Dyne. 
She does, but she's Hope Van Dyne, right. the daughter. The Captain Marvel movie's not going anywhere. Right. They're still making it. Right. It's still on the on the docket. She's still going to be a major part of Phase 3. I think this is a good thing. Instead of looking at it like Captain Marvel's getting pushed back in favor of this, think of it like they are adding another movie with a female lead yeah. to the list, which is only a good thing. Absolutely. Joe Patrick, comics greatest bromance is back. Power Man and Iron Fist reunited, baby. Writer David Walker and artist Sanford Green will be the creative team on the revival, reuniting our favorite characters, Luke Cage and Danny Rand. Awesome. In an interview with Fast Company, I don't even know what that is, Walker said, quote, It's a business magazine, and it's weird that this was the place they broke the news. Uh, is it like an entertainment business magazine? Not really. Okay. Both Luke and Danny are going to feature updated looks, of course. You can't have Iron Fist running around with a crown and the open shirt. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. Crown? He doesn't wear a crown. He wore like that weird metal thing, whatever it was. Oh, I, uh, Power Man. Yeah. Power Man wore like the silk yellow shirt and yeah. the tiara. He looked like Disco Godfather, basically. Yeah. Luke's yellow shirt is back, it says, but it's going to be incorporated into a sharp looking business suit. Yeah. Huh? You look good. Yeah. The redesign of Iron Fist? I'm not into it. I it, don't... it looks like he's wearing a very tight tracksuit. Yeah. It's ve- it looks very. With a high collar and a do rag. Very Bruce Lee. Yeah. Like uh, 70s Bruce Lee. But wh- I mean, whatever. Right. It, the high collar's there, the weird mask is there, the dragon tattoo is there. Yeah, the good news is we're getting these characters back, and it's at a good time where they, we don't have enough comic books that are fronted by African-American characters. Luke Cage, one of the most popular out there, needs to be pumped up. He's going to be on, a, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, so this is going to get him a ton of pub. I'm super excited for this. Yeah, I want to read this quote from Walker. The Marvel's kind of been in the news a lot lately for issues of representation, mm-hmm. uh, minority representation and different gender representation. Are their efforts good enough? <laughs> you know, you, right. Hey, we're going to launch red wolf starring a native American lead character. And it's going to be written by white guy X. It's like, okay, sure. But you also got to deal with what you got to deal with. Well, yeah. and I'm fully for get the right person to write the story. Yes. That's yeah. All right. End of that. But I want to read this quote from Walker. People use the words diversity and representation a lot these days, but it's important to draw the distinction between diversity and representation being a marketing ploy versus an ideological shift. Saying, this is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to run my business. It's a difficult conversation to have for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. This particular project has been in development for quite some time. And during that time, people were blasting Marvel and DC and other publishers about their lack of diversity and representation. But then you're sitting there at a convention wanting to go, hey, guess what book I'm writing? But you can't. Right. Then a book gets announced like Black Panther. And there were people who were like, oh, yeah, Marvel just got those guys to shut up all the critics. Right. And I'm like, look, they got a guy who is one of the best writers in the country right now. You can't broker a deal like that over the weekend. It takes time. Sure. If Marvel's making these efforts, then I think it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And we get Luke Cage and Power Man back. That is the most important thing That to is me. the biggest news right there. As I'm an old white man. Thrilled. I am happy for the return of Power Man and Iron Fist. Matt, something called Takashi Miike is adapting Blade of the Immortal? Yeah. Comic Book Resources has reported that Japanese director Takashi Miike, known for such films as Audition and Ichi the Killer is set to adapt Hirokai Samura's long-running manga, Blade of the Immortal. 
Blade of the Immortal was published from 1993 to 2012 and follows the cursed samurai Manji, who must kill 1,000 evil men in order to regain his mortality. Blade of the Immortal was popularly printed by Dark Horse here in the States. Yeah. And it was great. I was a big fan back in the day. It's been a while since we've seen it. Kachi Mike is a really interesting choice for this. I don't know. I know you have not seen either Ichi the Killer or Audition. Oh, I'm a big fan, obviously. Because they're two of the most terrifying films you will ever see. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he is famous for this really gritty, violent, in your face, I dare you to look at this type cinema. I'm not going to tell anyone they need to rush out and see these movies because they are disturbing, to say the least. I love Audition. It's one of the most terrifying films I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. He did 13 Assassins. I forgot about yeah he did a oh that old chestnut he did a samurai movie called 13 assassins he knows what he's doing he's very talented i would assume they're gonna have to make him tone it down a little bit but then again it's a japanese samurai film they love gore they love samurais <laughs> you know apparently they have popular singer and actor takuya kimura nicknamed kimutaku yeah it's gonna star as manji oh kimutaku yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i didn't know who you meant until you said that yeah, there you go it's gonna star in the film set for release 2017 a member of the japanese idol group smap or smap <laughs> or smap 42 year old kimura appeared in 2010's space battleship yamato which i adored it was so good and voiced howl in howl's moving castle i'm excited for this i think it's gonna be cool i loved play the immortal i loved kashi Mike. again I warn you of just running out and picking up some of his stuff because it is weird and awful at times. <laughs> but he's a very talented guy, and I think it's going to be cool. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where I'll be posting the Periscope video of Joey Patrick crying his eyes out while watching some of Takashi Miike's greatest hits god it's just snot bubbles and blubbering it's really awful every week torture porn addict joe patrick posts the question of the week in the thn forums joey what are we asking these kids this week this week's question comes from joe bankus aka casual comics guy Least likely to succeed, but did, is the theme. Okay. These are comic book characters who, if you hear the one-line pitch, seem incomprehensible, unrelatable, non-commercial, or just plain bad. Razorback. Yet still, no, <laughs> yet still made a name for themselves. A guy who can shrink down to the size of an ant, yet will still retain the strength of a normal-sized man. Wow, the strength of a normal-sized man? <laughs> Seems unlikely. To be fair, we're not normal sized men. Yeah, right. <laughs> Seems unlikely, yet Ant Man now is the star of a Marvel film and a cog in the next gen of movies. So, what concepts are you shocked survived based on the specificity slash lameness of the original concept? I like it. It's interesting. So, let's do this. Let's set it up this way where you call in and you pitch it to us without telling us the name of the character until the end of your pitch. Like, you'd be like, okay, check this out. Big dumb guy, test pilot, goes into space, gets microwaved or whatever, skin goes away, turns like it's all rocky and weird, and he hates it. And he's always upset, and he's totally bummed out, even though he's super strong. We'll call him the thing, all right? <laughs> like, are you with me? You know? Like, so you want us to guess? 
No, I'm no, I'm just saying like pitch it, you know, so we hear the idea before the character. Okay. So we can revel in how but, dumb that said but idea But bear in mind, be. it's not just name a character. It's right. what is a character that should not have lived into any sort of That's popularity or cult status. Pick that character, pitch it with a, a expressly highlighting how ridiculous the idea is and then name the character. And yeah, we'll try and guess as you go through it too. It'll be fun. I love it. You have until five o'clock central time this coming Friday, October, October 16th to Count, get us your answer. Counting on his fingers, Periscope. Yeah. You saw it. <laughs> <laughs> you can call and leave a message using Skype. The handle's to edit nerd or call the ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. If you're feeling fancy, you can send an MP3 to two edit nerd at gmail.com. Whatever you choose. Keep it two minutes or less. Matt will cut you off. You know it. You've heard it. You've seen it. That's the sound of me spanking your call's butt. That was the sound of Matt spanking your call's butt. If you need more time than that, go to the THN web forums. We've got a question of the week section. You can go nuts. Lots of people do. Looking at you, House Wayne. You have to go nuts. (laughs) He goes nuts. Tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. It's our favorite show. It's the best show on the internet. On any normal week, Matt and I would pick out two new comics to review, but this was far from a normal week. Yeah, it's like the planets aligned. Perhaps it's due to the recent Blood Moon Eclipse or Rogue Ocean Currents, but you may have noticed this week's new comics racks were inundated with first issues. Being the brave comic warriors we are, Matt and I took it upon ourselves to review uh, not all of them, but 22 of this week's first issues, <laughs> and it just might cost us our very lives. You're welcome. I hope you're happy, Internet. Matt, you're up first. Where are we starting? We start with Famous Monsters Presents Nemesis, number one from American Gothic Press. This is written by Jeremy Robinson with art by Matt Frank. 32 pages, three ninety nine. This is the first book we re- reviewed from American Gothic Press. These are the people that bring you Famous Monsters Magazine. Famous Monsters Magazine has been around as long as I can remember shopping in comic shops and it's just always kind of highlighted horror films you know universal monsters toys stuff like that now they're putting out monthly comics and i gotta say as the first famous monsters presents comic red i had fun with it jeremy robinson is adapting his best-selling novel here to a comic about a girl grown in a test tube for the purpose of a heart transplant to an aging military bigwig but of course something goes wrong with the dna used to grow the patient i think they're alluding to the fact that like they crossed her with a reptile or something yeah, regardless sounds, sounds right it allows godzilla artist matt frank to draw some really cool looking monsters and really convincing gore this isn't going to reinvent the horror comic genre but i thought it was fun and i think it's worth a solid skim it all right my first book of the week is jughead number one from archie comics written by chip zadarsky with art by erica henderson it's 32 pages for $3.99. Chip Zdarsky and Erica Henderson team up for the wacky misadventures of Archie's best pal in the vein of the modernized Archie reboot. Zdarsky captures what makes classic Jughead so much fun, and this new version of Juggy is a Lebowskian go-with-the-flow chill dude until his food supply gets threatened. It's true. Lots of great jokes and a fun Game of Thrones-inspired dream sequence. I like Erica Henderson's art, but I'm still having a really tough time with how the artists are drawing these cartoonishly angular noses on slightly more realistic faces. Yeah, what is that about? It's off-putting. Whatever it is, it's off-putting. Still, Jughead was a ton of fun. Huge bite! 
beef rap Can lead to getting teeth capped Or even a reef from armed dudes on some beef crap I suggest to change the diet Next up, I've got Ruins Ruin, number one from Boom, written by Mike Carey with art by Mike Perkins. I like both of these guys a lot. Rowan's Rise is the name of the stately English manor that Katie has just traded spaces for using like an Airbnb type app thing where you go on and be like, I live here, you live there. Yeah, the Rowan's Ruin app. You want to swap? But little does she know the house may be inhabited by something sinister. Carrie is a fantastic writer. If you haven't checked out his Vertigo series Unwritten, you got to do it. It's really, really good. Here he uses Katie's blog and Skype conversations with her family to tell a very well-written and creepy horror story. And they don't go overboard with the technology like a lot of comics do, where like the whole thing is like a Twitter feed or whatever. It's well done. It's not heavy handed. Perkins art is always great. And he shines here and he's giving us these peeks into Katie's subconscious and damaged psyche through her life. She's had these feelings when she goes into certain spaces, like she's very sensitive to hauntings or ghosts or the paranormal. This looks like it's going to be a really creepy good time. And I'm giving Rowan's Rowan number one, a buy it. It was a lot of fun. Next up for me is deep space tragedy. Number one from cosmic times written and drawn by Mike Wagoner with colors by Moisley Fernandez. That's a fun name to say. Yeah, that's a fun name. Moisley. Sounds like a little rascal. Hey, Moisley. <laughs> 32 pages, 399. A renegade robot rock band travels around, bringing the spark of life back to old units, much to the displeasure of the central command who sends operatives out to track down those robots that break free of their programming. Meanwhile, a mysterious artifact and some kind of dream prophecy might hold the key to saving them all from obsolescence. It's a cute premise. It might be a little overcomplicated. And writer-artist Mike Wagner does a great job, but Wagner's art style, while well-executed, isn't really my cup of tea. Yeah, I'm with you. It's got this kind of... Um, it's from this... Yannin uh, Vasquez, Lenore style yeah, school. Yeah, it's kind of spastic, and I don't know that it lends itself to drawing robots. Kind of where well. I was at you with it. You know what I mean? Uh, and he's he's good. I should right, say right. It just personally, it just wasn't really for me. And the robot puns really started to grate on me after a while. Yeah, I'm giving it a skim. It. I will say, Cosmic Times though, doing a good job. They're a new yeah, pop totally. up company, and it's good to see new guys. Keep up the good work. Yeah, it, it's absolutely well done. It's just that your mileage may vary. Right, friendly people too. Yeah. Next up for me, Grumpy Cat number one. Yes, from Dynamite. Because I demanded it. <laughs> Written by Ben McCool, art by Steve. Yui? 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 Sure. Okay. Yui. And others. 32 pages, 399. Steve. Wee! <laughs> this one is coming to you two and a half years too late. Dynamite finally hits you with the adventures of Grumpy Cat that you've all been clamoring for. You remember the played out memes of the cat that hates everything, right? Well, now she, by the way, Grumpy Cat's a girl. She is I investigating. I didn't know cats even had sexes. She is investigating a haunted house with her moronic brother, Cat Pokey. I don't know if Pokey actually exists or not, but I assume McCool worked very closely with Grumpy Cat's owners to get this story right. I just can't imagine the amount of research that went into this all-ages story of two cats, one grumpy and one dumb, who find a treasure map that leads to a haunted house. Yes, that's actually what happens. I read this, so you don't have to leave it. I will say, Steve Huey is a very talented illustrator and this is very cartoony and cute. It's just not funny. I don't care. And I don't know who this is for. Leave it. Grumpy cat will be dead soon. 
Is that right? I don't know. Don't cat. How how old do you think Grumpy Cat is? Are you threatening Grumpy Cat's life on Periscope? <laughs> is that what you're doing? <laughs> Definitely not. I think that violates the Periscope terms of usage. I'm say. just saying, like, how long do cats live? I don't know. Like three or four years, right? Three or four years. I think it's closer to six months. I don't know, like five years. <laughs> <laughs> the cats stick around for upwards of like twenty. About sometimes. twenty-four hours, like a fruit fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they mate, spawn, and die. You know, cats. <laughs> Let's move along to Dead Vengeance number one from Dark Horse, written and drawn by Bill Morrison, inks by Keith Champagne, 32 pages, $3.99. These are all sounding very similar in the page count and price department. Legendary Bongo Comics co-founder Bill Morrison comes to Dark Horse for this supernatural noir story about a crusading radio host, Johnny Dover. Did they build it the story that couldn't be told at Bongo? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Too hot for Bongo. Johnny Dover, a.k.a. John Doe, who may or may not be a zombie? Question mark. I think he's a zombie. I'm pretty sure he's a zombie. I think when you say he may or may not be a zombie, that you don't need to throw the question mark in yeah. there. <laughs> but the story starts going into flashback about halfway in and never actually gets around to what happened to him. It's kind of fun, and Morrison's art is great, but the story is taking too long to get to the point, and I'm not that invested in sticking around to see it play out. Skim it! All right, then. Next up for me was, I don't even know how to say this, Accend? Accend. A-X-C-E-N-D, number one, from Image, written by Shane Davis, with art by Shane Davis and Michelle Delecki. This is a 32 pages for three fifty. Huh? Pretty good. There you go. This is one of two comics I read this week about a video game that's messing with someone's real life. Here, teenage gamer Eric Morn is pulled into a co-op survival game where he's killed over and over again by overconfident video game buzzword spouting rival players in very 90s looking bad costumes. This did nothing for me. And when the story takes place in a video game where the characters can respawn after their death, I gotta say, the stakes could not be lower. <laughs> really? <laughs> Bad art, annoying dialogue at best, and the premise I just could not care less about. You guessed it, kids. Leave it. All right. Batman and Robin Eternal number one from DC, written by James Tinian IV and Scott Snyder. Does the title Batman and Robin Eternal sound like a love story to you? Kind of, yeah. Right? Like a trashy one. <laughs> the art here is by Tony Daniel and Sandu Floria. It's 40 pages for $3.99. Eat that. A dark secret from Batman's past propels this next wave of DC's weekly Batman Eternal series. In the absence of Bruce Wayne, this one is Robin-centric, and it was a lot of fun to see Dick, Jason, and Tim working together almost like brothers. Plus, no spoilers here, DC announced it. They told you well in advance it was happening. The return of Cassandra Kane sent literal tingles through my body. Yeah. I know it's not the same character. It's not the same character I once loved, but seeing her again was still a thrill. Tony Daniel does a great job illustrating the script from James Tinian in the fourth. Scripted by James Tinian in the fourth story by James Tinian. I, I still don't even know what that means. It means they brainstormed it. And then James Tinian wrote the script. Okay. I'm not too sold on the mystery of mother and the orphan just yet. So I'm not quite ready to commit to this every week for who knows how long it's a skim it for now, but I reserve the right to raise my grade if, and when the story sinks its hooks in. Okay. I mean, it's weekly. It's a big investment. 
moved from DC to Image. And codename, Babushka. From Image Comics, written by Anthony Johnston. Art by Sherry Chankhama. Sherry O'Terry. I'm going to say Sherry Chankhama. Oh, not Sherry O'Terry. 32 pages, 399. Avatar stalwart Anthony Johnston writes this international spy intrigue story that stars the hot Bond girl character as the super spy for a change. Babushka is called in by the USA government, or blackmailed, depending on how you look at it, to do the jobs that no other spy can, and man, does she deliver. This is very cool manga-inspired art. And when I say manga-inspired, I mean more Blade of the Mortal-type manga, or Pluto, like what we reviewed not too long ago. Like, very traditional, cool-looking Japanese art by Chankhama. In this action-packed spy thriller, who knew that Johnston, the man that brought us Neonomicon, had been pigeonholed into Avatar horror titles all this time? Buy it. Anthony Johnston's written a lot of things, not just Neonomicon. I like it. No, he wrote a bunch of like horror stuff at Avatar, though. Yes, I know, but I know him. I know his name from from comics, right? But I know his name from tentacles going inside people. <laughs> so, that is an offensive <laughs> stereotype, and it's hurtful. That's what happened in that book, man. I had the extreme displeasure of reading Telos number one from DC Comics written by Jeff King with art by Carlo Pagulian and others. I don't think he was the only person. But we do like both Jeff King and Carlo Pagulian. We like Tom King. Oh. Haha. The Convergence villain no one cared about is now the star of the Convergence spinoff that no one demanded. What an absolute waste of time this was. And paper. Don't forget that. I'll get to that. Written by Jeff King, again, not to be confused with the excellent Tom King who writes Grayson and other things, right? Yeah. What else is he right? Lay it on us. Related? Jeff King, Tom King? I don't know. Brothers? Father, son? Married? Lay it on us. It could be. It could be. <laughs> Let's just go with the father and son team of Jeff King and Tom King. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff King actually frames the story with quotes from the Odyssey as though Telos's story was some kind of grand epic. Oh, boy. The only saving graces are some pretty decent art and the fact that the people that bought it digitally didn't waste any environmental resources. There you go. There you go. Who decided this was a good idea? I have no idea. Leave it. Yeah. The good thing, the good news about Convergence was, uh, it wasn't just long. It was boring too. So (laughs) really, yeah, really the only reason to read Convergence were some of the tie-ins were pretty good. Yeah, that was it. Next up for me, Dr. Strange, number one from Marvel written by Jason Aaron with art by Chris. Nope, I'm skipping one. Next up for me. All new. I mean, it doesn't all really matter what order you do, man. I guess, but this is on the paper this way. Next up, I read all new, all different Marvel Point One, written by a bunch of people with art by even more. 64 pages for $6. $5.99. In typical Marvel Point One fashion, we get a glimpse at several new, well, I'm gonna call them all ND titles, because it's shorter. In the aftermath of Secret Wars, including all nude titles. <laughs> including Daredevil, Carnage, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Rocket Raccoon, Spider-Woman, and all new Inhumans and Contest of Champions. The story is cleverly written around the two villains of the Contest of Champions, discussing who they should kidnap for their games, and from there we get sneak peeks at all the other titles that they're previewing. It's a perfectly fun way to get a look at several of the upcoming new and renumbered titles, but if Marvel really wanted to push this stuff, give it away for free, or sell it for a dollar. Six bucks is a lot to spend for what is essentially a preview issue, 
even though it's cleverly written. Well, and they're not even preview issues. Yeah, they it's are like a two-page. Page. Some are six. Yeah. Some are just two. I mean, really, this is a skim at best because, come on, if you really want to push your stuff, Marvel, make it a dollar. This is what DC did when they put their sneak peeks of all of the DCU books. Right. At the end of the second issues of the Convergence tie-ins and then put them up for free online. Yeah. Come on, Marvel. You're better than this. Let's move on to Dynamite and A Train Called Love, number one, written by Garth Ennis with art by Mark Dos Santos. It's 32 pages for three ninety nine. That's Spanish for two Santos. Two Santos. <laughs> Dynamite continues to let Garth Ennis do whatever the hell he wants as the writer pairs with artist Mark Dos Santos for a modern, filthy take on classic large ensemble comedy films like it's a mad, 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 mad world and scavenger hunt. I couldn't tell you at all what it's about or how the characters all connect, but it was fun to read. The art was great. And I want to see what happens next. I'm giving it a buy it. Next up for me, the book I've been looking forward to for a long time. Dr. Strange. Number one from Marvel written by Jason Aaron with art by Chris Bacalo, Bacalo. I don't know. 40 pages, four ninety nine. I can't think of a better team to helm a monthly Doctor Strange title, and they deliver with page one alone. Bacalo or Bacalo is allowed to go utterly insane with his art, drawing otherworldly and eldritch foes for Doc to vanquish. And we even get guest appearances from Doctor Voodoo, Shaman, and the Scarlet Witch in the bar with no doors, which we haven't seen the bar with no doors for years. Well, it's I don't a, even know what that is. It's a magician's only tavern hidden um, deep in the bowels of New York. I am thrilled to have a monthly strange book back in my reading pile and in hands this capable. Marvel appears to be gearing up for the Doctor Strange movie in a huge way. This is Stephen Strange doing what he does best, fighting magic monsters and making out with hot babes. <laughs> this was just great. It really was. I'm giving it a buy it. This was everything I hoped it was going to be. All right. We got Paper Girls number one from Image Comics written by Brian K. Period Vaughn with art by Cliff Chang. This was 48 pages. For two ninety nine, dang, yeah. A roving gang of newspaper delivery girls run afoul of street youths and an otherworldly maybe threat. Maybe it's otherworldly. Is it maybe otherworldly or other maybe worldly? <laughs> it's other maybe worldly. Okay. There's a final page reveal that raises a million questions, and I have to see where the story goes from here. Do I really need to waste my time convincing you that a new original series by Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang yeah. is worth your time and attention? It sells itself. And Matt Wilson's amazing colors bring Cliff Chang's already stunning art to the next level. Buy it. I loved it too. Next up for me is Amazing Spider-Man, number one, from Marvel, written by Dan Slott with art by Giuseppe Comuncoli, with backups by a lot of other people, but we'll get to that. 72 pages for five ninety nine. Damn. Not only does Slot drop us right into Spidey and Pete's new status quo as world famous CEO of Parker Industries, he's kind of a poor man's Tony Stark because he's not really interested in making money, but he is like putting out all this really affordable, cheap technology. Spidey is now Peter's bodyguard, too, with a little help from his friend Hobie Brown, the Prowler. Spidey's got a bunch of new gadgets, including... A totally kick-ass Spider-Mobile, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous, but it was awesome. <laughs> this is as all-new and all-different as a Spidey story could be, but Slot maintains the wacky fun feel of his Spider-Run and assures us that everything that happened pre-Secret Wars happened 
accounts in continuity. It's all there. This is just what's happening now. It's a great way to relaunch Spider-Man without losing old guys like me. Afterwards, we get a peek into the other corners of the Spidey U, like Peter David's Spidey 2099, Silk, the dumb web warriors, and Spider-Gwen. And unlike the point one, this felt like a complete package with like some previews in the back. I wouldn't mind paying $6 for this at all because it was a kick-ass issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Great story. And it made me want to check out some of the other Spidey stuff. Very successful. Dan Slott might be one of the best Spider-Man writers of all time. Buy this. I haven't read it yet. It was great. So good. I'll tell you what I did read, though. What'd you read? KFC presents <laughs> the Colonel of Two Worlds one shot. You're welcome. <laughs> DC Comics. Did you have to buy like one of those five dollar boxes to get this? Or? <laughs> no. Okay. Look, this. First of all, I needed another comic to even out the number. And sometimes a guy just needs a biscuit. So they have great biscuits. The biscuits are delicious. This comic is stupid as hell. Okay. But you have to admit that there's something funny about Colonel Sanders as an ass-kicking man of action. Shane Edwards, Tony Bedard, and Tom Derenick bring us the unlikely tale of the Colonel's team up with Green Lantern and the Flash <laughs> as they battle Captain Cold, Mirror Master, and the evil Colonel Sunder of it, Earth-3. It's no weirder than Shaq fighting Godzilla, okay? Yeah, no. Yes, it's a stupid marketing gimmick. But whether they meant it to be or not, it was hilarious. Okay. It didn't take itself too seriously. And Darren X art is great. And it was free. It's all you can ask for in a Kentucky they, fried chicken comic. They're giving, really. they're giving it away for free on Comixology. Yeah. Just go read it. Buy it. If I have to stick to the term. Sure. Uh, it was fun. It's goofy. There's like an infographic in the back. That's like in the vein of like, how much does it cost to be Batman? And it's uh, like a Batman and then a breakout of how much, like what all his individual parts of his costume do. Oh, that was and like what something they're worth. on comics Alliance. I think somebody wrote, there was like a bunch of, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff on the internet. Yeah. Uh, but there's one like that in this for Colonel Sanders where it's like his infinite pockets, his infinity pocket square, oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, Stupid. his gravy filled pen. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, it, it's super fun. Next up for me was the unlikely return of Contest of Champions. Number you might one. Recall us not talking about it on last week's podcast. I think that's right. <laughs> this was written by Al Ewing with art by Paco Medina and some other people. I'm sure they're all very talented. They were all very talented. This was 40 pages for $4.99. This was not one I was extremely excited for, but as I dug into it, I had quite a bit of fun with this. It was, I really like Al Ewing. I do too. Al Ewing has the ability to take characters that normally you might not care about and inject a little bit of like humor and humanity into them and suddenly make them very interesting. We also meet a couple, well, one old character, I think, the British Punisher I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's basically a British guy that turned into the British version of the Punisher. He is plucked from Earth. Like literally the Punisher? Not the Punisher. He's a different name. Oh. But he modeled himself after the Punisher. He wears a Punisher skull. Okay. And he's got like a little, I don't know, I guess. A beret? Uh, yeah, a beret, <laughs> I suppose. Like a green beret beret. Sort of, oh, yeah. Like a Marine's Like beret. a proper British beret, if you will. All right, yeah. We also meet a girl named Guillotine. Guillotine who is a sword-wielding French girl who has had the sword passed down through her. There's been several different versions of the character Guillotine 
going way back. So it's some type of cursed sword that always falls into the hand of a French revolutionary, basically. And she was really cool. It's like a little girl with a gigantic sword that talks to her and like craves blood. (laughs) And basically what's going on is Maestro and the collector are assembling teams of people, but they're only picking people that they think no one will miss because they don't oh. want to get, they don't want to raise anyone's attention. They don't want to get the attention of the Avengers. So they're picking these B-list, C-list, D-list characters and making them fight in the contest of champions. That's pretty fun, actually. This was a ton of fun. Really well drawn by Paco Medina. That guy is awesome. And Al Ewing is really com- is really coming up. I really enjoy his writing. I'm giving this a gigantic buy it. It was just silly and good. See, uh, we talked about this a while ago. I forget. Uh, it was the shield. It was shield number nine or whatever the shield 50th anniversary. The actual issue of shield mm-hmm. was where there was a little side story setting up the howling commandos book. That's right. coming up. Right. I did not give a about the howling commandos, like the all monster team of howling commandos. Right. Until I read that and it's by Al Ewing and it was amazing. Yeah. He's really talented can take really dumb ideas and have a lot of fun with them. (laughs) Moving right along. Saints number one from image written by Sean Lewis with art by Ben Mackey. 32 pages for two 99. They drew the line right there. The pseudo religious reincarnation from the wicked and the divine meets the irreverence of preacher in this new series from Lewis and Mackey. Saints are being reborn, reincarnated or something in the modern day and in the most unlikely of places. I say that with some hesitance because it's not like they're not just manifesting. It's like, it's obvious that these people have been living entire lives up to this point, a death metal groupie, a grocery store clerk, and a guy that looks like gay Jesus set out to understand their true calling as an unexpected enemy hunts them. It's a neat premise that feels a little familiar, but I had a lot of fun reading it and i love 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 maggie's art it was gorgeous here's a little bit of a inside uh inside baseball if you will we get a lot of preview copies from these companies true and they are very gracious to send them and we are very grateful but a lot of times and i'm sure it's in an effort to both cut down on file size and prevent piracy they send the versions yeah of these digital files at possible yeah they're very low res yeah the colors are often all jacked up a lot of times i have to stop by the comic shop just to look at a physical copy and be like this does not look that bad right 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 some companies you know who you are put very obtrusive huge watermarks all over all of the art all it takes is just a little one on every page (laughs) but the preview copy of saints the coloring is very strange in this book Okay. I don't quite know how to describe it. It's a lot of dark tones. Okay. But I really don't know how to describe it. You have to take a look at it. This is thrilling radio. By I know. Way. I'm just, <laughs> I, but I'm saying our job is to describe this. I, I just, I don't, I don't know how to put to words what I'm, what I and saw. I'm putting job in quotes, but right. All right. I just don't know how to put words to what I saw in the actual finished product because the preview copy they sent looked so horrible that I thought that this couldn't possibly be the fin- what the finished product looked like. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's because of the coloring, the nature of the coloring in the finished product okay. that a that at anything other than optimum, you know, resolution or actually printed, it's not going to look right. 
It's stunning. The okay. coloring is stunning in this book. Next up for me. I'm sure you all really wanted to know about our our woes dealing with the free comics that we get. <laughs> the struggle is real. Moving right along to Heroes Vengeance from Titan, written by Seamus Fahey and Zach Crawley, with art by Rubine Cubiles. <laughs> that is made up. I no. I'm, there it is. We're not laughing at you, Rubine. We're laughing with you. Thirty-two pages. Art by Rubik's Cubics. <laughs> Three ninety-nine. This series is going to dig into the new heroes from the Heroes Reborn NBC show that no one cares about, and just like the show, it feels like a comic written by people with no superhero comic experience, but thought, "Hey, how hard can it be?" This is a pretty boilerplate story that starts out with an intro suitable for old-timey radio drama about El Vengador, a crime-fighting Latino with a Mexican wrestling mask because, you know, he's Mexican. That's in the show. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that's what this character is about. El Vengador, that's Spanish for the Vengador. I think so. I believe that's correct. The art was solid, but I don't care about the show. I don't care about the comic, and neither is going to make me care any more about the either. My guess is this show is canceled before we even get to the next series. Uh, the joke's uh, on you. They planned it as an event series, which means uh, it's got a finite run already. Well, they said five issues each for these stories. Maybe it's just Oh, you like, mean the comic? Yeah, the comic. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't know. I'm giving this a massive leave it. No, nothing in Rubine. He does a perfectly good job. Paul Pope did the cover. looked really good, but there's just nothing in the story. It's nothing new. Kind of ridiculous. And I'm sorry. I'm tired of seeing Mexican heroes and Mexican wrestling masks. Let's let them do something else every once in a while. Come on. Wouldn't it have been more interesting and you take the mask off and it's an Asian guy? Whoa! You know? <laughs> Matt, there are no Asians in Mexico. That's true, but there are masked Asian wrestlers. Go figure. There you go. All right, what's next? We've got Avengers number zero from Marvel, uh, written and drawn by lots of folks. 64 pages for $5.99. Maybe you can see where this is going. This is essentially another cash grabbing point one issue offering glimpses of the ridiculous number of Avengers titles starting over in the next few months. The story of James Robinson and Leonard Kirk's squadron Supreme studying Intel on their potential opponents acts as the framing device as were offered sneak peeks of Avengers, new Avengers, uncanny Avengers, a force and the ultimate. It's a lot of A's, lots of A's. Most of them seem like they're going to be pretty decent, and at least one preview, in the case of Uncanny Avengers, got me more interested in the book than I was before. Still, it's hard to say that it's essential reading. Like Matt said, why not make this available to the widest possible audience? Right. Do it for a dollar. Do it for a dollar. I say, I'm saying put them in the backs of regular books like sure. DC did, and then put them online free. Right. If you really want more people to buy these books, don't charge a $6 entry fee right to see if you like something yeah i mean come on i mean it's fine it's well done and i had some fun reading it but it's got to be a i can't give it more than a skim it because i'm with you it's they're just blatantly saying give me your money yeah next up for me we move to vertigo now this should be your final one survivors club from vertigo written by lauren bukes and david halverson with art by ryan kelly i love ryan kelly from local right yeah, I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. The art was really good here. Here we meet five people who back in 1987 barely survived five different ridiculous situations that were worthy of horror movie scripts. 
One of them was possessed by a ghost. Another one was trapped in a haunted house for a while. A third had a killer doll. Another one of the survivors played a video game back in 1987 that seemed to cause things to happen around her, and she was totally addicted to it and barely got out of that situation. Now, in present day, she's discovered a simulation of that video game on the dark web and has summoned these other people around her to try and figure out what's going on. They're all affected and basically relive their horrors when they see this video game. But it's like hack slash. Yes. Where she's the she's the girl that's being chased, but she's taking matters into her own hands. Yes. But here the story is framed by this mysterious video game that is back. And when these other survivors witness the video game, they literally relive their own horrors. And each one of them has a really strange sort of backstory as well that's going on. And it was just really interesting. I'm not sure where they're going to go with this, but the art was fantastic. And this very much felt to me like how I felt when I picked up a book like Fables back in the 90s. I didn't really know where it was going to go, but I knew they had an interesting premise and I had to see what was going to happen next. I'm giving this a buy it. Invincible Iron Man number one from Marvel, written by B.M. Bendis with art by David Marquez, 32 pages for $3.99. This is, according to Marvel, their new flagship book. Okay. Sorry, Amazing Spider-Man. Iron Man's the guy now. I wasn't aware that there was a flagship book. Amazing Spider-Man has always been considered like right. the frag the flagship title right. at Marvel. And they have essentially willed themselves into having a new flagship book as though that sort of thing wasn't decided by the readers. Or at least told us that. Right. <laughs> and of course, it's because of how uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is kind of the leading force of the Marvel movies. Sure. As opposed to the comics where Iron Man is not necessarily the right. primary player. Bendis tackles one of the few solo characters he hasn't had a run on with his ultimate Spider-Man collaborator, David Marquez, on art. Bendis isn't completely unfamiliar with Tony Stark, having written him for years in the Avengers books, so the character feels right. There are a lot of interesting twists that may or may not have something to do with how Secret Wars ends. Did you read it? Not yet. There's a last page reveal... That really made me want to know what's going to happen in Secret Wars. Okay. But I just went along with it. I went along for the ride. I had a blast. Thanks to David Marquez and colorist Justin Ponzer, this might be the best looking book on the stands this week. Huh. It was gorgeous. Marquez is incredible. Huge by it. Cool. Two damn books, Joe Patrick. Good lord. It was too big for the Ludicrous Speed Round. It was too big for regular reviews, but we did it. It was too big for the one people that watched us on Periscope. <laughs> that might be my wife who's wondering when we're going to go eat. Very soon, sweetie. I promise you. We want to hear from you guys about all these books and everything you read. Head over to the two-headed nerd forums and post your opinions in the this week's comics section we gots to know what you guys thought of this stuff. There's only one way to relax and rejuvenate after a massive review session. Matt, call down to the stables and have the love slaves bring up two of those My Little Ponies we kidnapped to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Our blood jacuzzi is looking a little low. It is, right? <laughs> what say we take a dip and talk about what we're excited to read next week? Sounds good. 
I am excited for Chewbacca, number one, from Marvel, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Phil Noto. Chewbacca! 40 pages, $4.99, here is your solicit. Known as the skilled co-pilot of the infamous Millennium Falcon, the legendary Wookiee warrior Chewbacca will star in his very own limited comic series. Well, no sh this is number one. After the battle in Yavin, Chewbacca is on his own when he crash lands his ship on an Imperial-occupied planet. Now stranded, Chewie finds himself caught in the middle of trying to return the rebellion and helping a young, feisty girl in need. He likes him feisty. I saw some preview art that Phil Noto put on Twitter when he was drawing this, and it looks incredible. I cannot wait for this. And Chewbacca, no dialogue. All you're going to hear is... <laughs> but he is saying stuff. He's saying stuff. Jerry Duggan. It's Jerry Duggan, right? Yeah. Jerry Duggan said that he actually wrote an yes. actual script for Chewbacca and no one will see it except for the creators. Yeah. He sent it to Phil Noto. So Phil Noto knows like how the character is supposed to respond to what he's saying. Yeah. But all that dialogue gone, baby. It's just going to be Chewbacca noises. I think it's great. Super excited for this. Joe, what are you going to read next week? Next week. Can't help it. I am excited for Superman. Lois and Clark, number one from DC Comics, written by Dan Jurgens with art by Lee Weeks. 32 pages for $3.99. I feel like you can help it. I can't. <laughs> I can't. And what's more, I won't. Oh, good Lord. Following the epic events of Convergence, here are the adventures of the last sons and daughter of the Krypton and Earth as they try of the Krypton and Earth. That's a weird way to put that. As they try to survive in a world not their own. But can they keep this world from suffering the same fate as their own? Can this Superman stop the villains he once fought before they are created on this world? I don't know what that means. <laughs> what is Intergang? And why does Lois's discovery of it place everyone she loves in jeopardy? What will happen when their nine-year-old son learns the true identity of his parents? Make way for the original power couple. For better, for worse. In sickness and in health until death do them part. Really? The return of Super Baby? Really? This is essentially, this is the pre-New 52 Superman and Lois. Back in continuity in the current DC universe. I, uh, I don't even, I don't understand. <laughs> this is well, it's not to understand. It's multiple Earths, man. I guess. Okay. You haven't, you've never heard of Earth 2? Yes, I get it. All right. DC is the the leaders of multiversal nonsense. I do not care. And I am so happy to have what I consider my Superman back. Even if it's some sort of weird gimmickry. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to see more about it. I want right. to know what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. I, you know what the ABC field said it best. Suckers born every minute. <laughs> The T-Gen trade of the week goes to Two Brothers, the hardcover from Dark Horse Comics by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. You should know these guys. If you don't, they're two of the best creators working in comics. Check out Day Tripper, their previous work together. If you don't believe me, it was incredible. This is 232 pages for 25 bucks. That is a steal. It is a steal. Here's a solicit. Twin Brothers, Omar and Yakub. 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 Y-A-K-U-B. Yakub. 
may share the same features, but they could not be more different from one another. After a brutally violent exchange between the young boys, Jakob is sent from his home in Brazil to live with relatives in Lebanon, only to return five years later as a virtual stranger to the parents who bore him. His tensions with Omar unchanged. Family secrets engage the reader in this profoundly resonant story about identity, love, loss, deception, and the dissolution of blood ties. These guys write really, really heavy, beautiful stuff. This is going to be incredible. I'm very, very excited about it. I love Day Tripper. I did too. Nothing opens up the pores like talking pony blood. I'll tell you what. <laughs> like a brand new baby. <laughs> as soon as you crawl out from this week's massive pile of comics, let us know what you're pumped to read next week over at the THN forums. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the All Review Spectacular episode of THN. If you dig podcasts that crap on creators' creations, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or tune in. And while you're there, please, please leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts, because it really, really, really does help. It's the best way to get other people listening to this show. Thank you to our latest donor, Frank. Frank. And if you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at toitednerd.com. If you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as a buck a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring THN, shoot us an email with a subject line, Sponsorship. While at TwoHeadedNerd.com, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, Tumblr, where we place the outtake of the week, and Periscope. We are broadcasting live, like I said. You can watch us every week if you want to. We're going to set up the phone. You can see our pretty faces. Sometimes they're not so pretty. What can you do? This is a waking nightmare. Also, the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894, the most important phone number you need to know. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums at your little virtual piece of the Ziggurat, where you can discuss this week's show. You can ask us to review your self-published comics. You can learn more about our segments, how you can be a part of them, or you can just rap about comics. Wait. <laughs> if you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only New Mutant, who just celebrated his birthday this week. Word to you, sir. 51 never looked so good. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre order your comics because your retailer might not age too well if you don't. This is the two headed nerd. Signing off! We did it! <laughs>